for me, there's an opportunity here to blend some of these things. Some learning that can be done just by children learning it themselves and then using the time in school to be able to talk about it in a slightly different role rather than the teacher having to teach it. Because I know certainly my children, there's been plenty of things that they've not actually been taught, but they've still learnt it. And that might be because something's been produced in advance by the teacher. It might be that they've been asked to watch a particular YouTube thing or something that's been created for them to do. But the teacher's not been there to deliver it in person, but they've still managed to learn what they needed to do. And then any support they needed beyond that, that's where the teacher came in. And that's a slightly different role, but I think it frees up a lot of time for teachers. And that's one of the things that teachers are really struggling with is, is time being time poor. Hi, and welcome to Podcaster Stories. Each show, we'll have a conversation with podcasters across all mediums and share their story. What motivates them, why they started a show, how they grew their show, and more. We'll also talk about their personal lives and some of the things that have happened that have made them the person they are today. And now, here's your host, Danny Brown. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Podcaster Stories, where we meet the people behind the voices of the shows we listen to. This week, I have Mark Taylor as my guest, who's the host and creator of the Education on Fire podcast, which is a show for teachers, parents and mentors to help them support te- uh, support children in their endeavours for education and mental wellness, etc. So Mark, really glad and appreciate you appearing on the show today. Um, how about you, you know, introduce yourself and what the show is about? Great. Well, Danny, thank you so much for inviting me on. It's um, Education on Fire really started as a passion project. I was, I'm a musician by trade and um, as a professional musician, then did some teaching, went into schools. And one of the things I noticed was that um, education was getting sort of a bit of a bad press, <laughs> um, as it were. You know, everyone was sort of quite down on the whole education system and learning. But I was actually seeing some really fantastic teaching because I was doing workshops in multiple schools so I had quite a good sort of overview of what was going on um, and I've got three children here so I was sort of seeing my experience sort of firsthand as they were traveling through the primary sector here in the UK and then on to secondary school and so I just wanted to set something up which shared creative and inspiring views of learning and I thought what that would do would be to enable people to to basically hear things that were happening, which they might then be able to take back into their classroom or to help teach their kids in a way that felt less isolated. Because we know you're sort of, you are the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. And so if you happen to be in a, in a small school and the, out, the, the outlook is a certain way, then that's kind of what you expect. And if you're in a bigger school, maybe you've got different views. But actually, in this sort of online world, in this sort of global setting, you can actually be influenced and have a community of people from all around the world. And so that was really why it started. It was that kind of, I want to share some great things that are happening. And hopefully by sharing those things, it will impact people wherever they were listening and they can take that and make a positive influence to the children that they're involved in, whether it's their own children or people and students within their classroom. All right. And, and obviously you mentioned uh, you have three kids of your own. Uh, are all three in secondary school now? Past- yeah, so yep. all, all three are in secondary school now. So one's uh, 18, so just about to finish A-levels. Um, one's two years younger, but just an academic year below. Um, and one's in just finishing year eight. So she's, uh, yeah, so she's uh, just starting her sort of secondary school journey. Right. And did you take the, the lessons, I guess, as any parent? I've got two young kids that are younger than yours. They're eight and ten. Um, I'm guessing you took the lessons that you've learned as a parent. And I know you're heavily involved. Is it NAPE? N-A-P-E? 
that you're the right. vice chair of? That's right. That's the National Association for Primary Education. And, um, and I got involved in that because one of the schools I was teaching at in London, probably around, I guess it would have been just after or 2010, 2012, something like that, the... The, um, the director of the school was then chair of NAEP and asked me if I'd go along really with my sort of parental hat on. And because we've been working in the same school, she kind of knew my views about education and the sorts of things that I was doing related to music. So, yeah, that's how I got involved in it. So I sort of I do sort of straddle that sort of education knowledge in some respect, as well as that parental one. Now, do you, you mentioned that your background obviously is in music as well. Uh, so do you sort of blend the two when you're you know, either educating or helping parents and, uh, you know, teachers, educators, etc. Do you, sh- uh, th- does music play a part of that, that role or is it purely, you know, from a, a more sort of speaking point of view, if that makes sense? Well, the podcast really is a little bit more general. Um, the music element, I think, has had the biggest impact on me because it's something I'm passionate about. It's a way that I kind of feel like I show up in the world and I can express myself authentically. Um, and so I think it's with that hat on, I want to express myself through the podcast. So whatever your passion would be, I think if you can tune into that, if you can tap into that and you can express yourself that way, then that's really what I get excited about. And I know that's different for everybody, but I think understanding what it was like as a child to kind of have my first concert and just think, oh, wow, this is amazing. I really want mm-hmm. to experience more of that, you know, and follow that all the way through to being a professional. Whatever your your thing is that you want to follow through, I think if you can understand what it's like to have had that experience, then that's a, that's a positive thing. I mean, I did do a music series and I have also got a, a membership site attached to the podcast called Primary Music on Fire, which does support teachers within music. But it's, again, that's much more of a kind of let's have a community, let's support you to create this musical world in your school and how we can do that. But again, much more from that feeling sense, even though we've got some great resources and stuff in there, the heart of the, the community and giving children experiences is, is where that drives from, really. No, you mentioned that the 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 musical side is is it primary music on fire? Did yeah. I catch that right? That's right? And obviously you've got education on fire. So on fire is definitely the sounds like the brand of the the podcast, the program, what you're trying to do. Where did that come from? Where's is it just like on fire? As in like oh well, that sports person's on fire. They're like on a big streak. Or where where did that come from? Yeah, well, there's there's the famous quote: "Education is not the filling of a pill, but the lighting of a fire." And and I and I kind of. I kind of felt that was the case, a little bit like I said, in terms of that feeling of excitement, of knowing you've got a passion that you want to then fulfill. Um, and I then spoke to some people in the education field and said, you know, this I'm sort of thinking around these terms. And, um, and yeah, it was amazing because was, that's great because I can, that's such a memorable name and it's such a, it really sort of speaks to that essence of it. It's not just another podcast talking about how you do maths or how you do English or, or something like that. It, it's a much sort of different starting point but but by the same token of course um most podcasters will know john lee dumas's entrepreneurs on fire and 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 lots of people took the the on fire kind of <laughs> element of that back you know early in the in the 2000s and in, into the teens you know and and lots of people then did that so i was very very wary about taking that sort of name on board um because i didn't want to trip on not tread on his toes, but also sort of get into that kind of cycle of everyone having the same kind of on fire name. But because so many educators really liked it and because it seemed to fit within the quote and what I was trying to do, 
Um, and also, I've met at JLD a few times, and I've had this conversation about him, and apologise for taking the name and actually you know, just talking it through. So um, yeah, so so you know, it was obviously in my sphere of knowledge because I was I was aware of him. But by the same token, that isn't the the main reason that I took it. It was because of that quote and the education element. Okay, and you're up to episode 154 at the moment. I think at least published episodes. Yeah. Um, so. Thinking back to the early days when you first started a podcast and you came up with the idea of it, etc. What's been one or some of the biggest challenges that you found then, you know, that that's got you to where you are with the the show today, like overcoming them? Um, I think one of the one of the most important things I did was have a good foundation to begin with. Um, and we, we mentioned JLD there before. I mean, I did his free podcast course to begin with, which meant that I had a really good understanding of what was required in terms of setting myself up. Um, and I'm not one of the original, original podcast website members um, that Mark Asquith put together. I believe has been a, he's been on your show, hasn't he, already? Um, yeah. But, but have been there for a long time. So I was sort of in that community um, of these sorts of people and that, and they're so supportive and their communities are so supportive as, as, as you know yourself with through Captivate as well and so it was really important for me to surround myself with those kind of people and then when I had a problem or I wanted to do something or I wasn't sure about anything or which way to turn there were lots of people to ask um, and I think that really solved a lot of those problems so when I wanted to try and think about monetizing or or when I wanted to think, when the podcast first sort of started off in themed seasons, um, which was great. So I, I sort of the first season was just sort of generally explaining what I was about, what I wanted to explore, and then I did some computing and ICT, and we did an English one and a maths one and a PE one, and that was fantastic. And I really liked the structure; it was very clear for everybody, and I did talk about it in this kind of you know inspiring way. But what happened was, as is, is the podcast grew, I had lots of people starting to reach out and saying, look, we'd love to talk about this as a follow-up based on what you've already done, by which time this, the seasons had kind of moved on from there. <laughs> and so it was quite hard to then fit them back in, because not because I wanted to revisit it necessarily, but I thought actually there was a lot of value in having these conversations, maybe on a topic I'd already covered. And, um, and so... What I then decided to do was just to kind of broaden it out a little bit. I'll sort of visit all these topics, but it doesn't need to be within that theme season. And, and so one of the things I was sort of struggled with was, you know, how do you do that? How do you kind of change the format but without sort of starting and stopping again? Um, and, it, and it just seemed to me, or the advice I had from all these people I spoke about, was just that kind of, just be clear, you know, just talk to people as you would like to be an audience member yourself, you know, that kind of, this is what I'm going to do. This is why I'm doing it. This is where I'm heading. This is what I want to be able to achieve. This is, this is what it's all about. You know, come on this journey with me. Um, and that's exactly what I did. I didn't try and sweat it too much. I just kind of just developed and, and took on board all of those things. And luckily enough, um, it, it's really helped in terms of the audience has grown and, and more and more people seem to find the show and enjoy it. So it must have been the right thing to go. <laughs> and and have you found any? I know I've spoken before with uh, some people that have moved from, say, uh, serial to you know uh, program not programmatic. I'm thinking my marker's head there to going on to you know episodic. I should say. Um, have you found it sometimes difficult? I know a lot of people that did series, for, for example, or themed seasons, found it easier because there was a structure there that said, okay, season one's definitely going to be about this, season two this, etc. Whereas episodic may not be quite as structured because now you're talking about 
every topic or any topic with every guest or any guest. Have you found out um, when you made a transition to be a little bit weird and less structured or is it easier for you? I, I think it's both of those things, which is, is sort of a, a, a little bit difficult to explain, I guess, <laughs> um, in some ways, because I'm speaking with people, generally speaking, who have got a passion that they want to share. It might be something they've created within the education and learning space. It might be they've written a book. It might be that they're actually a teacher and they're explaining about the system they work in and, and, and the environment that they're creating. They pretty much actually just take care of the conversation. You know, I always have a list of questions and points I want to cover based on all the information I've got. But actually, generally speaking, it's like having a coffee. You know, I always say, you know, let's just sit down, let's talk about it. And, you know, I, I can direct things if need be. But generally speaking, it actually kind of just works because, you know, if you're talking to somebody who's passionate about something, then they can talk all day because it's kind <laughs> of you know, it's kind of what they're about. And, and, and that often then comes across. Um, but I, I should I should also probably point out that I, I almost developed what I was doing into a kind of a network. You mentioned Nate before. Um, and I do produce a podcast for them as well because they wanted to share share some of the things they were doing and, and, and broaden their reach. And so I just I started to sort of tip my toe into a kind of a network idea. So because um, Captivate and Podcast West Science enabled me to kind of have more than one show on the platform, I sort of had education on fire and I had the Nate podcast going on at the same time. And because I was able to develop it, and you talked about sort of the episodic idea and, and the sorts of things you wanted to cover, I did at one stage also have a podcast called Learning on Fire. And that was then basically there to sort of, I sort of aimed it really at kind of adolescence in terms of I wanted to speak to people who were living life on their terms. And we talked about their education, we talked about teachers that might have been influential, the best advice they were given, the sort of advice they would then give their younger self and resources that they had. And so there were some really great kind of things that you could take on board and take action with if you wanted to. And to, to support children who, you know, they, the children learn what they learn within the school system based on the curriculums that they have to do. And I think there are many parents out there and, and also educators as well who think that could be broader. It could be a bit more sort of life skill sensitive, you know, in terms of those sorts of things. And so I wanted to sort of embody that. Um, and that was fantastic. And I really enjoyed that. And that had a list of 10 questions, which works really, really nicely. But one of the things is a podcaster that you sort of realise and what you must be aware of is the sort of demographic of the people that are going to be listening. And um, my focus on that podcast was really thinking that parents would be listening to it and their children would be listening as well. So it might be when they're in the car, it might be when they're um, going to be on Alexa or something, when they're in the house or whatever. Um, and the podcast did pretty well, but it wasn't doing as well as Education on Fire. And it also... Um, everyone was referring to everything as education on fire and so in, in what i was trying to do is the niche down because lots of people say you know, niching is important mm. and then sort of separate all those things out but actually what i found was is i needed to broaden it back out again to to be under that creative and inspiring learning umbrella which is education on fire and then sort of split everything else up so i still produce the nate podcast but i do it purely through their website and on their own sort of platform as it were and the learning on fire i decided to just to stop recording in that way as a separate podcast but i sort of combined the elements a little bit so some of those questions i do now ask at the end of an interview of any education on fire podcast and that works really well because i've combined the best bits of that learning on fire into education on fire as well and also people just seem to have the the sense that 
having one brand as it were having one sort of canopy under all those things works much better so so it's been complicated in some ways but actually the simplification has been a really key factor in the last few months and i think that's uh, that's a good point that you raised about learning what works and what doesn't work i think um i know in the group that we're in for example with the the rebel based media group on facebook um it's it's clear that um often it can be hard to you know give up or want to give up a podcast because it's not working because you want to keep you know seeing it through but as you showed it's it makes sense to either you know envelop it into your existing podcast or maybe make it like a bonus content or something so it's interesting to hear you that you've taken the best parts of what you learned from learning on fire no pun intended mm-hmm. and and you know put that into your your main core show which is pretty cool i think that's true and what i've started to do um because i've still i, I did 50 or so episodes of learning on fire and so what I did is I, I got to the point of saying that I'm stopping recording this now. Thank you, great for all those people who subscribed and really appreciative of, of their loyalty. But it said it's going to go under the Education Umbria feed, and that's where it's all going to be. Um, and I did have lots of new subscribers to Education on Fire, which I, I think is fantastic because they must mm. have then come across just as I've mentioned it. And I still see on the analytics people listening to that um, moving to Education on Fire episode, so they will see <laughs> do that and move across. But what's been really interesting is the fact that I've actually, I keep releasing some of the Learning on Fire podcasts as bonus episodes on Education on Fire. So the new episodes that I'm recording, I'm amalgamating the two things, like I say, a general podcast with people with some of those questions involved. But then, because I release my main um, episodes on a Monday, the bonus episodes I just release every couple of weeks on a Friday. But the analytics are showing me that actually as many people listen to those bonus episodes, which were the previous podcast, right, yeah. as, as they do to the other ones. So, I, I, it's, you know, the amalgamation seems to seems to have not lost anything, but actually drawn things together. Which goes back to your point about knowing your audience and, you know, delivering the content that your audience wants to consume yeah. and listen to. I think that's true. Now, when we were speaking earlier in the green room before the show, uh, we were both speaking about our kids and the, the long distance learning that they're doing or the digital, you know, virtual learning that they're doing. And obviously, you know, COVID's impacted like globally, we know that, um, but especially the, the education system and, and how people are, how kids are being educated and what that might look like come, say, September, August, September, October, when kids are due to go back to school. As someone who speaks to parents and teachers, educators, etc., what's been the biggest fears, if you like, that they've brought or the biggest concerns that they've got about going back to school? And also, how's, how have they found like virtual learning impacting you know, life for them and their families? Um, I think that going back to school, there are two elements that I hear mostly. One, I think children have missed the social element of being with their friends. Um, I think that's been a really big thing. So I think going back to school is a really important thing from that from that side. Um, I don't get the feeling that children are particularly worried about going back, um, you know, because children seem to be less affected directly in terms of illness and, and the way that the, the virus seems to be working. But I know lots of people are wary because of the amount of people. And, of course, there are still people at home who might be carers, who might be key workers, who are looking after people that they need to be very respectful of of this virus and and don't want to be at risk any more than they need to and i think that's where some of the fear factor comes in from children going back um one of the things that i've i've been quite vocal about on the show is the fact that there's lots of people talking about um having to catch up um because things have been lost while we're 
uh, you know, while we've been in lockdown. And I don't really subscribe to that in as much as, you know, we've been through a, a pandemic, you know, the whole world has changed and they might not be where they would have been before, um, but they are where they are now. And they've learned many things um, by being through this experience. And, and actually we should then just embrace where we are and we move on in a way that we can. And I kind of yeah. came up with the, the, the analogy that, you know, I might be wanting to run a hundred meter race next week and I've been focusing on it and I've been training and I'm all set to go. But if I broke my leg or twisted my ankle, my expectations have to change. I'm still going to run that race, but it's probably going to be in you know, two months or three months because that's mm-hmm. the reality of what it needs to be. We need to move those goalposts. And, and the education system's quite strict at the moment. And even with the, everything that's happened, it looks like it's going to sort of try and go back to the way that it was because it's such a big tanker to move. Um, and, and one of the things that the home learning has really done is the fact that we've proved that while it's not perfect and the interaction isn't there from a, a personal sense in the same way that it was, that actually there's been some really positive elements, you know, that I don't think that being on a computer all day, every day is necessarily the best way to go. But there are some parts of learning which work really well like that, you know, things that can be easily graded, things which can be a little bit more yes, no, or or um, multiple choice or writing, you know, things which are less artistic, I guess, in some ways, which are much harder to mark if you need to mark it. Um, in that way. So I think for me, there's an opportunity here to blend some of these things, some learning that can be done just by children learning it themselves and then using the time in school to be able to talk about it in a slightly different role rather than the teacher having to teach it. Because I know certainly my children, there's been plenty of things that they've not actually been taught, but they've still learnt it. And that might be because something's been produced in advance by the teacher it might be that they've been asked to watch a particular youtube thing or something that's been created for them to do but the teacher's not been there to deliver it in person but they've mm-hmm. still managed to learn what they needed to do and then any support they needed beyond that that's where the teacher came in and that's a slightly different role but i think it frees up a lot of time for teachers and that's one of the things that teachers are really struggling with is is time being time poor and so i think actually if they can find a way to blend this kind of virtual learning and in-person learning, then I think there's a real opportunity here for the education and, and learning generally to, to really move in a different direction. Now, I know certainly here in Ontario, I'd completely agree with your, your view there. Um, there's a big pushback on the, the provincial government's uh, goals or plans for reopening the schools in September. And, and as you mentioned, it's basically as normal as it used to be with more hygiene, you know, mm-hmm. uh, less people in the classes and that. But then you have the, the other side of that where you've got to then, okay, well, now you need twice as many, uh, as many teachers because you're having t- twice as many classes because you're basically having the, the students. Um, and there's a lot of talk about, you know, as you say, moving more towards a hybrid of, say, maybe two days in school, three days at home or something like that. We, I don't know, but I completely agree. This is a, a, a really good learning moment, I feel, for the education system to get the overhaul that it's desperately needed since even I was a kid way back, back in the last century, mid-century <laughs> something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for sure. Now, as I mentioned earlier, you're, uh, you're now at show 154, I believe, uh, over 150 shows of the podcast. Um, what's been some of your favourite episodes during that time and why these episodes? I think um, some of the favourite episodes have really been the ones that have really surprised me. 
Um, you, you know, like sometimes you, you have an idea of the person that you're going to talk to and they, they've sent you through some details or, or you've seen their website and you think, oh, I know, I know where this is going. I, I really understand what this person is about. And then they completely take you left field. You know, they, they talk about something personal or something which you just really didn't think was something that you were going to expect. And then you have to adapt and you have to kind of think on your feet and you have to really listen carefully. Um, and, and, and I think some of those are, can be, can be really, can be really inspiring and you sort of get an idea of where those, where those journeys come from and, and, and why those people have done, have, have done what they've done. Um, I think that, that there are probably two that stick out, um, in some ways. One was a, one I did very early on, um, with, um, Overstone School and, um, Jan, um, Janice Mardell was the head teacher there and we had a great conversation about why it was the ethos and the atmosphere of her school was so fantastic and and it literally ran through the entire system you know the entire system of her school and what she was done and it was because i think she'd still managed to keep that child focus that child-centered idea of what learning was all about despite the pressures from you know people around her you know this from government from this and that and whatever they were still a school that was able to keep hold of it they were still a small school and they were expanding so it was tricky but because I think she had such a strong idea of what she was about and what she wanted education to be about and what she wanted children to feel, that really came across. And that was really, really exciting for me to sort of hear that that was possible. And, that was, and I think that sort of made, the, made my skin really sort of crawl in a really good way because it was that kind of, <laughs> this is what I wanted to share, you know, to actually mm-hmm. for people to experience, you know, no matter what was going on, this was still possible. And then I think some of the things is I start to expand, you know, I'm not talking about English or maths, I'm talking about other things. So recently I've had a conversation about yoga and, and one, another, might have been in season one when I was setting the whole thing up, I talked to Bruce Langford about um, his podcast called Mindfulness Mode um, and, and his whole idea of, of how mindfulness fits in both in terms of how everybody can have it in their life, but certainly within education and how, how that can work not as something you just do, but as something which you, you embrace as part of your life, which then affects everything that you do. And I think that's what really excites me about some of those interviews, because it just shows, shows you a way of being which can affect everything that you do and can support children and people in a way that isn't just about studying. And, and I think that's the essence of hopefully what I'm trying to get across. Oh, yeah. And with having so many shows i mean you had uh, multiple shows as you mentioned on multiple uh, podcasts um what would be um a piece of advice you would offer to any podcaster either just starting out or even just thinking about it um and either in your niche or you know just in general what what piece of advice would you give to someone looking to get into the medium i think don't let what you think podcasting is get in the way of what you want to explore i i think if, you, if you're going to set a new podcast up or you're thinking about doing it, it has to come from your passion, whether it's your hobby or whether it's a field that you you are as, as part of your career or your job, whatever it happens to be. Make sure it's something that you're really excited about. Um, and then just understand that when you're learning any new skill, you get better over time. So if you wait for that perfect moment, I need to do this number of practice episodes before I can do a live <laughs> one, all of that kind of stuff, you know, you'll, you'll never get it done. So so get everything set up, press record, 
do the best you can and certainly the episodes I did early on don't sound very much like the ones they, that I do now just because of the experience and if you think about anything in your life when you started doing something new it's new and you're learning and you're doing the best you can and it will always develop and get better as you go on so just get going with it get in a community so that you can su- get people to support you for the things you need to learn whether that's editing whether it's the, the the tech you need or the setup that you need so that you've got the support to ask questions but then just get on and do it and then progress and learn and develop and and bring and bring your audience with you be honest i think that's great to be able to just sort of say what you're doing why you're doing it how things are working or not working and if you're going to pivot or whatever you're going to do but remember um, people who listen to your podcast are very loyal in terms of media, much more loyal than many other outlets out there, certainly for video and things like that. So they want to be part of your journey. So be honest with that. Talk about your journey. Say what you're doing and why you're doing it. And then you start to build that rapport. And that's why we're doing it, really, is to, is to like I say, to share stories, to share ideas, to actually bring people on the journey that we're doing personally. Because there are lots of people doing podcasts, but only you're doing it your way. And that's the thing that you need to focus on. And I like that piece of advice because I know, um, as you mentioned, uh, there's there can be a lot of niches and a lot of you know categories and subcategories and people doing the same thing or a similar thing to yourself. But there's only you've you're the only person that's got your thoughts and your voice and your approach, etc. So I love that piece of advice that you gave there for sure. Now, just to flip it over a little bit, um, for people that that may know you. Um, or sorry, people that do know you, either do or don't know someone. <laughs> but for people that know you, uh, and even for folks like myself that you know are just kind of meeting you today properly, um, what would be one thing that might surprise them about you? One thing they probably don't know is that um, I do quite like snowboarding. Okay. Um, there are two reasons for that. One is the fact that it's not something I talk about all that often. Um, but also, I live in Northamptonshire in the middle of the UK, not a big snowboarding place, um, except it's quite close to Milton Keynes, which has a very good indoor um, ski centre. Um, and so that's something which is, is quite fun to do in terms of just sort of getting out and changing what they, ch- changing the perspective of what it is that you like and, and what you want to experience. And um, I, I sort of have a a love-hate relationship with it in as much as I love it when I can go enough to kind of feel comfortable. Again, talking about that kind of being used to what you do and the repetition yeah. of things. And then there are times when I can't go quite so often. Um, and certainly as a musician, I have to be slightly careful about obviously injuries and those sorts of things. And so that kind of fear factor of then standing at the top of the slope again and remembering all those things when you're basically just strapped to a, a board. Um, so yeah, but yeah, snowboarding is something I really enjoy and something which is very exhilarating and great fun. And, and probably not that many people would know that I do it. And and is that a recent thing? Have you been doing that for a while? Because as you mentioned, Northamptonshire isn't the the, the most known place. Uh, the UK in general, I guess. I mean, I can't think of many places, unless you go to like the far north of Scotland or maybe the mountains of Wales or something. Yeah. It's not really something you'd, you'd consider. So uh, how did that come about? So it really came about because I'd been, I'd been to France and actually skied and, um, and really enjoyed it. Um, and so then we went with a, a, a fellow, um, some friends of ours, and... Um, and then we thought, actually, I'd like to snowboard. I quite, I quite liked the uh, having joked about the idea of being strapped to a board. <laughs> I actually, in some way, f- enjoy that rather than the sense of a ski where your legs can go in completely different directions if you end up sort of coming, falling over or, or doing whatever. So we thought we'd just give it a go. Um, and we both really enjoyed it and decided we'd do that kind of, you know, we'd learn properly. We'd go and have some proper lessons and, and build it up that way. Um, so I've been doing it since probably 2000 and. 
ooh, I want to say 10, 11, something like that. Okay. And, um, and, and, we, and we, we, like I say, we, we do that kind of, yes, we're going to do this every week, and then we end up you know, being for some, a little while, and then we go again and, and go backwards and forwards. But I think one of the things about the whole lockdown and COVID and that kind of thing is you really start to miss certain things that you think you would do, but you put off a little bit. But then when the chance has come to really get back into it, that's certainly the one thing I want to be doing. That, that along with tennis, which is um, something else I've been doing a lot recently since they've opened the courts up. Yeah, well, that's cool. So, Mark, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, I I know that the listeners are going to get a lot of value from you know what we spoke about, some of the things we spoke about today, and you know whether they be you know uh, parents of kids like myself, or teachers, educators, etc. For people that want to know more about yourself, uh, find out more about the podcast or some of the courses that you do, um, you know some of the resources that they can use to take back to their kids, etc. Where's the best place for people to find you or the best places for people to connect with you online? So the best place to go to is educationonfire.com. And through there, you can find all my social links. Um, there's a, a newsletter that can be signed up to, which has a, a free um, top 10 downloads. And that's not just... Um, resources in terms of how to do your best English or your best math. Some of them are actually linked directly to some of the actual interviews I've done of people who are doing outstanding things and can support you in learning generally. So it's all there at educationonfire.com. Okay, awesome. Well, as I say, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, what's up next for your podcast in the next couple of weeks? Who have you got appearing on the show? So in the next couple of weeks, um, I've... Who have I interviewed? One, oh, one amazing thing I did, which I was so thrilled for my daughter, um, is I interviewed Beth Tweddle, who um, is the, uh, uh, well, the most successful um, female gymnast um, here in the UK. Um, and I think she finished her career about in 2012. Um, but since then, is really keen on education. And she's got a whole load of in-person courses that she does, but has also then pushed forward her online courses, which um, are about to start here in September. So I got to interview her. Um, and she was really inspiring just from the fact that, you know, being an Olympian and actually having that kind of element, but also with the education passion as well. And she was incredibly sweet and I had a fantastic conversation with her. And also she was very gracious and actually gave a little quick note to my daughter, who's a real great oh. gymnast as well. And, and and it was it was lovely. And I was able to do that recording and I was able to sort of break it down and send it to her on a little WhatsApp message. So that was really exciting. So, yeah, I really love that. And that's coming up in the next few weeks. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, like good people, like, the smallest things that that would have taken any of her time, but that made such a huge difference for your daughter at that time, right? That's, that's awesome. Well, as I say, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, and I'll be looking forward to you know catching up on some more of your episodes. I know with our our two kids, um, any help that we can get uh, to you know to help them through this time, but also just education in general, um, I know that's something that we'll definitely benefit from. So, I, thank you for coming on the show today, Danny. It's been a real pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Um, okay guys well this has been another episode of podcast of stories if you enjoyed the show make sure you subscribe to get the latest episode when it comes out live you can do that on podcastofstories.com where you can sign up for the newsletter and you can also find the latest episodes there as well as on apple podcasts spotify and google podcasts until the next time guys take care and we'll speak soon